0: All right, Gresham Bible Church, we have a special guest with us today, our brother Joel Woodard. Joel, Joel, I'll call you up here in a minute. Joel is the lead pastor of Hollyview Church, and he has been a huge blessing to me personally, pastorally to this church. Hollyview prays for us. We pray for them. It's beautiful to have partnership in the gospel in and around East County. We are not the only church. We're a small C church, a local church, part of the bigger C universal church that adorns the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Joel is going to come and preach for us today from Philippians 3. So brother, come preach the word. Good morning. It's uh, fun to see so many familiar faces and be with you guys, actually be with you guys. Uh, before I even get to the the message, I, I just want to want to share my thanks as a pastor of Hollyview. But also, I, I went over there this morning, and it was almost like the church was happy to send me off. Uh, you can take for what you want with that, but really, what it was is the love and affection they have for you guys as a community, and what you've done for us over the last uh, four years. Uh, we we were in the endeavor of replanting a church that was small and almost dying, uh, and we've had a number of you guys come over and help with uh, preaching and worship and we've joined youth groups together and we've, we've had uh, some of our youth come over and help when we had no one to play instruments. Uh, you guys have helped us get to the point where we are today uh, where the church is like they don't need me anymore <laughs> so they send me away. No, they they love you guys and they do pray for you guys So it's fun to to have this partnership in the gospel with you. So thanks for your investment uh, in not just Gresham Bible, but for the larger C Church. Uh, We're a a recipient of it. And so even as I come here today, my prayer is that you will leave here feeling encouraged, uh, that you will have hope, and that you will feel the love of Jesus poured out through Hollyview and me and his word this morning, so that when you leave here today, you'll be empowered by the Spirit to live that life that Christ is has given you. Um, so my message is, uh, comes from the book of Philippians. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to, to turn there. Philippians and chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be right in the middle of a book. And just like you guys, we normally just uh, just walk expositionally through books of the Bible. Uh, but this is the heart of the letter of Philippians. Paul, as he's sitting chained uh, in prison or a house arrest or, or something, he's... he's he n- can't go where he wants to go. He's had everything stripped from him, and he sends this letter to this church that he cares so deeply for, uh, a letter to, to people that he wants to encourage, um, wants to encourage them with the joy that's theirs in Christ. So I just want to begin the this, this sermon by just reading one verse, Philippians 3 and verse 8. Philippians 3 and verse 8 hear the words of the Lord. Paul writes, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul says, "I, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing King Jesus, the owner of it all. Let's stop and pray one more time. Lord, as we approach your words, written by the inspiration of the Spirit so long ago, but so applicable to us today, Lord, how however people are coming to this message, the, the burdens that they're carrying, the longings that they have that was, as we live in this broken world, Lord, would you allow the joy of knowing you to change us, Lord, that we would have eyes that would be open to see what you'd have for us this morning, we'd have ears to hear, We want to speak to each one of us through your spirit and your word that would change our hearts, Lord, so that we would know you and love you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paul, sitting in prison, he's lost everything, uh, makes this bold claim. I count everything as a loss for, for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. It's a very bold statement to make. And before we consider the, the text, that, that verse, and the, actually the text that it's, it's in, I want to set up the message uh, by sharing with you a little bit of my uh, story, and it's kind of fun because it goes back to a time when I think some of you were, were there uh, too. So um, my story of, actually, uh, my love story with my, my wife. Uh, I grew up in Georgia and Ohio. I went overseas to the Czech Republic on a missions trip, uh, and there uh good shepherd had sent a team over and my wife was part of that team and a couple of you guys were as well who, who was on that team oh yes one two there's a couple of you guys were there uh way back when and so this team so I was young and I don't know um if you if you know my wife Amy you know she's out of my league she's a couple years older than me it's like there was just no way especially when I was younger that's like no way. But people on the team started teasing me uh, and saying, hey, Joel, where's your where's your wife at? Uh, hey, Joel, uh, what do you think about Amy? And all that. So I was kind of like, OK, that's just it's people being like just teasing you. So like, yeah, right. She's way out of my league. There's no there's no way uh, that any of that could be. Well, after two weeks of doing English camps in the Czech Republic, I. Um, we, uh, the last night of camp, we were at a bonfire, and a bunch of students were sitting around. It just happened that I ended up sitting next to Amy, because our students left. Uh, and so we're sitting, ne- I'm sitting next to Amy, uh, and I'm, you know, nervous, and all these people have been ribbing me, and if you're a guy, you'll totally get this. I'm like, I'm just going to ask her to get it out of my head, so that I don't even think it's a possibility. I'll hear her say no, and everything, I'll just go about my by my business. And so we're there, and I'm like, hey, do you, uh, you've you heard what people have been talking about us would you be uh, would you be interested in me at all a very vulnerable question to ask would you be, would you be interested in me at all to which she replies no not really <laughs> well that was the, that was the answer i was expecting to, that was the answer i was expecting to hear so i said oh yeah that's what i thought and then she just keeps asking me questions like so what would a relationship look like i mean you'll be in chicago and i'll be in oregon and i'm like this now she's just like toying with me? Like, <laughs> if you don't like me, why are you asking what a relationship would, would look like? So after a little while and a couple questions, I got up the nerve to go, are, are you like sure you're not interested in me at all? And she goes, uh, of course I am. I thought it was obvious. And I was like, let me just, if you're like a 19, 20 year old guy, any, the one thing that's not obvious is ladies. So, <laughs> so then I was like, oh, this girl is actually interested in me? Like, so what what a relationship looked like? I was in Chicago and she was out here. Well, what it looked like, it was phone calls every night for, for months. It was we written letters. Uh, we, we used to do that. We had emails back then, but it was just starting. So we wrote letters back and forth to each other, uh, visits uh, to each other. And every time we had a visit or a phone call or a letter, there was something in me that was like driving, I wasn't satisfied with any of that. I only wanted to be with Amy. Uh, every letter I wrote wasn't like, oh, I'm good now, I can do whatever I want. It was like, oh, I, I want to be with her. And so out of some encouragement and some counsel, uh, I dropped out of seminary and put everything I owned in a car and drove out from Chicago in the middle of December uh, all the way to Oregon. I left with like several feet of snow on the ground uh, in a car that I would not let my kids drive halfway across the country now. Uh, And I made it all the way to Wyoming in the first day. And there was snow on the ground, whiteout conditions because the wind blows so bad there. They had actually closed the highway down, but I I was just driving. I wanted to drive all the way uh, to get to Oregon. I wanted to be with with Amy. She wanted to know me, and I wanted to know uh, her Well, finally we had to like, uh, they closed the highway down, police on the road, you have to get off the highway, so they directed me uh, to this, there was really one hotel in the middle of Wyoming, uh, and it was one of the nicest hotels I've ever like seen. And I was this young kid with no money, I get to the hotel and I'm like, hey, I got my sleeping bag, can I just sleep in like your janitor's closet, I don't want to, I can't pay for this thing, and they're like, we can't turn anyone away, so they gave me like this amazing rate, I don't even know what, like 25 bucks to stay in this amazing like four or five star hotel with everything there. I mean, it had uh, hot tubs and pools and huge dining rooms and big screen TV. I mean, the nicest, it was such a nice bed. Uh, it was a great place to stop. Um, but the next morning I called Amy and she's like, I can't wait to see you. And I could care less about the meal there, the pool, the hotel, the soft bed, I got up, scarfed some food down, and was back on the road uh, because there would be nothing that would satisfy until I was in the same room with my love, with Amy. There was nothing that satisfied like being with Amy. Now, in the same way, as we come to our text today, Paul is going to tell us that there is nothing that satisfies like knowing King Jesus. There's nothing that satisfies Paul wouldn't stop for anything to know Christ. Now, if we had a bonfire like set up here today and we were all sitting around it and the Apostle Paul was sitting there too, you you might have the question like, okay, Paul, so what's what's a relationship look like with Jesus? Since like we actually don't see him face to face, how do I I know what to do? How, How am I supposed to live with this desire to know Christ? And I want to bring us back to our text today in Philippians 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And we'll see that Paul here gives us two commands. There's there's two uh, commands and a little explanation for what, why he does that. The first command is to rejoice in the Lord. And the second ca- command is to look out for the dogs. Rejoice in the Lord and look out for the dogs. And, and so how we're really going to look at it is we're going to look at what it means, this command, this imperative to, to delight in King Jesus. And then the second one we'll look at is that... We don't settle for anything less. Delighting in Jesus and not settling, don't settle for anything less. So we're going to read uh, Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Uh, And if you wouldn't mind, if you could stand for the reading of uh, God's word, Philippians 3, if you're able. 3, 1 through 11. Hear the words of the Lord. Verse 1, finally... My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We're going to stop right there. Ask the Lord to add his blessings to the reading of his word. Lord, uh, help us see. Draw our hearts, prick our affections for you more as we contemplate your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good. Have a seat. We're going to look at delighting in the Lord and, and not settling for anything less. Uh, Philippians 3 begins with the word finally. Uh, and if we were working through this, you would see this actually right in the middle of the letter. Uh, and this isn't like a pastor's finally, and he goes on 20 minutes. Uh, this word probably is maybe better translated as furthermore or continuing this idea, or let's dive in even a little bit deeper. Let's continue this theme, and this theme of rejoicing in the Lord. If you read this letter, it's like Paul can't leave it alone. He just can't stop going back to the same idea over and over. Rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. In four chapters, he, he mentions rejoicing nine times, and if you add in joy, it's even way more than, than that. The whole the letter is about finding their joy And Paul says, this is no problem for me, and it's a safeguard for you. It's no problem for him because he sees the benefit of coming back to that simple message over and over again, that message that brings delight and freedom and forgiveness and joy and peace. This is no problem for me to to share this with you. It's a safeguard for you as well as you come together to hear the word of the Lord, the message that Jesus has paid it all. You don't have to carry it anymore. Don't stop when it's difficult. Don't stop when it's comfortable. Continue on, press on, come back over and over again to the cross where you can lay your burdens down, your sin, your shame, your regret, all at the cross. And Paul says, I don't mind talking about this over and over and over again. And it's a safeguard for you so that you don't go along in your week and pick up things and, and have these burdens or, or think you have this worth or value that actually is weighing you down and keeping you from knowing Christ. It's no problem for me to, to share this message with you again and again because it's only in a relationship with Jesus that you'll find joy. You you may know of Jesus. Maybe somebody has told you about him or you've seen a movie of him. You may know about Jesus. You may have uh, studied the Bible. But the only satisfaction you'll actually find is when you know him personally, when you have a personal uh, relationship and intimacy with Jesus. It would be like me waking up in that hotel in in Wyoming, and, and I call Amy in the morning, And she tells me, hey, I can't wait to see you. And I go, she wants to know me. And I want to know her. Uh, So I don't stay in the hotel. I I press on. I I leave all that behind. I I count that five-star hotel as nothing to be with Amy, to leave it all behind. And Paul's saying it's the same thing with Christ. I I leave all of that stuff behind so that I would know. Jesus. But then Paul, he quickly interrupts it, you you notice. uh, He quickly interrupts this, uh, I want you to delight in Jesus uh, with another command. And and it's actually, I think, a safeguard of this temptation to settle for less. Uh, This temptation of, boy, it's just a little bit too difficult. My my day gets crowded a little bit too much. Uh, It's it's a little too comfortable. I, I think I'm doing just fine. And so Paul commands it, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than rejoicing in King Jesus. So he gives him the second command, look out for the dogs. Look out for the dogs. That's a kind of an interesting uh, phrase. Um, look out for the, the dogs. He's actually using this term dogs as a title of a group of people that are going to rob them of the joy that they can have in delighting in, in Jesus. It's a, it's a group of people that are going to entice them to settle for less. A group of people that's going to get them to stop pursuing knowing Christ. So he calls them dogs, which for us is, uh, I mean, we have a black lab at home and we think it's cute and cuddly and all that stuff. But dogs in this time were the kind that you would see in the back alleyway eating all the food and they're good for nothing other than like throwing sticks at and beating away that they're just ugly and gross and they have illnesses and all all this stuff. And so he's, he's saying these people that are trying to stop you from really pursuing knowing Jesus. They're like these dogs. Uh, But he's even doing like this cultural flip on things too because dogs, if you read in the New Testament, is, is the idea and the title that the Jews would give to the Gentiles is good for nothing. These dogs that, I mean, they can maybe have some scraps off of a, a table, but that's all they're really good for. And, and, and Paul flips it here and goes, uh, these dogs he's actually calling are the Jewish people that are stopping people from pursuing knowing Jesus. It's the very name they gave the Gentiles that he's flipping over. And then he does the same thing then uh, with these dogs or these evildoers. These are the people that are, have their hearts far from Christ They are the mutilators of uh, the flesh. And again, he's doing a little play on on words. In in Greek, uh, mutilators and the word circumcision, they kind of rhyme together. And and so he's using this idea of, hey, you Jews who have your identity in this sign of circumcision, which the sign of circumcision was was like this, uh, the sign of this bloody covenant that was going to remove your sin and wickedness and give you a heart of flesh. And yet your heart... Is rebellious and wicked. You've been circumcised, but all you've managed to do is mutilate your flesh. It's not a sign of any. It's not a sign of your heart. It's it's just sign of just this mutilation. So he flips this idea upside down. That circumcision, which is given as a sign from God to take away sins of His people, uh, that that that's actually now an, a new circumcision of these people who worship. The Lord. Those are the true circumcision. Th- those who have their hearts uh, and affections drawn to the Lord, the worshipers of, of Jesus. And like, uh, like Paul, his life was on a, a journey, and there are these stops that, that they were trying that he could have like settled in, uh, to settle, to stop short from, from knowing Christ. Again, it would be like me in Chicago when I received a letter from Amy and I would pick it up, and I would read it, and I think, boy, Chicago's got really good pizza. Uh, I really like the people here. Uh, I I really like the the culture here. Uh, I think I'm just going to read the letter from Amy, and then I just put it away as if I'm satisfied with that, and I just go about my day. And then maybe the next day I pick up another letter, and I spend, oh, five minutes in the morning, and I read the letter, and I put it down, and I go about my day because uh, I really like uh, where I'm at. Those letters, though um you can I mean you can feel it if you've ever been in love those letters drive you to want to know that person to be close to her so in a similar way Paul's life was on this journey to know the Lord but then he lists seven things seven stops that he could have made almost like seven hotels along that journey of knowing Christ that would entice him to settle without really knowing Christ you you'll see the seven uh Look down. The first one is circumcised on the eighth day. He's, he says, you know, I follow all the rituals. I, I've, I've checked all the boxes. I've, I've done all the right things. I, I go to church every Sunday most of the time, uh, Christmas and Easter. I, I've, done, I've checked all the right boxes. Can I just stop there? Number two, he says, of the people of Israel, which is, you know, I have a good name. I come from a Christian heritage, a Christian family. We live in the right country. Isn't that? Isn't that enough? Of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, I've achieved a lot. I've, I, have a, I have a rank. I have a prominent role or position. I mean, after all, I'm a pastor, that should count for something, right? I'm an elder, I'm a deacon, I'm a teacher. I help with Sunday school. That's got to count for something. Uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews, you might say, well, I haven't wavered. I've stayed faithful. I haven't followed the fads. The culture hasn't impacted me whatsoever. I have remained true. I have not changed. Number five, as to the law of Pharisee, you could say, I know a lot. I mean, I've read a lot. I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I, I, I know more than most people. Isn't that enough? As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, I've volunteered more than probably most people I know. I do a lot. I've fought crime. I've kissed babies and helped puppies. I've done it all. And the last one, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul could say, I, I could have settled with being a good person, and I'm really good. A good moral person, and he didn't cuss or smoke. He was a good moral example. All, all those places are are, are are good in and of themselves, but it's to drive us to something more. Paul says, I could have settled in any one of those places, but I choose to press on. Look in verse 7, Philippians 3 verse 7, he says, But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. As he's sitting there, chained to a guard, Having left behind his reputation, his comfort, his success, even any future that he has. He goes, all of that, the effort, the knowledge, uh, the degrees, everything I've taken and I've counted as nothing on this journey to know Christ, to pursue Jesus. Then we come to verse 8. He says, indeed. And I think in English, it's kind of uh, kind of pathetic. Indeed doesn't sound, it almost sounds like just this British thing. But it's actually three Greek emphatic words that we translate indeed. What Paul's getting to at this point in his letter is there's something bubbling up in him that he wants you to hear. You have to hear. Listen. Hey. Don't, listen, you gotta hear this. And we translate it as indeed. So in, when I say indeed, Paul's like, Hey, wake up. you got to hear this. I count everything as loss. Everything. As he's sitting in prison with nothing. He says, all of that, I don't care about any of that. I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. from the dead. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Knowing Christ. And if we talked about what does it look like to know Christ, we'd probably have lots of different ideas even in this room. Because again, this is an area where English actually uh, puts us in a little tiny prison. <laughs> uh, we, we help that word out with a lot of other words, um, but it actually doesn't get to the heart of, of what it's even saying here. In uh, the other languages that I've learned and, and on the mission field and, uh, uh, and in high school, although I didn't learn that one very well, uh, the word know has many different words in other languages that we just we help with, uh, with little words that we tap onto. And we can know of someone, which means I've heard about them. You may not be even recognize them in a store, but somebody's told you about them. I, I've, I know of that person. Uh, you may know about someone. Uh, oh, yeah, I've read all about them, uh, you know, uh, all these information or facts or data. And you can actually know someone personally or intimately. Uh, in most other languages, these, these three ideas and, and even other ideas have their own words to them. So it's not no, no, no. It's, it's there's this force of it that when you say it, you, you feel it. Uh, And so even we kind of get that idea in Hebrew as well when it says somebody uh, that he knew his wife and then they had a child. We know which one we're talking about there because uh, something more is happening than just information or data uh, in that. Um, I'll just leave that there uh, for that. There is this knowing at this heart level uh, this knowing, this personality, this knowing. I know the crinkles on their face. I know how they would respond in this situation. I know their spirit. I can feel them. There's there's something so intimate in, in there that takes a long time to be with them, to see them, to, to know them. This is the knowing that Paul says, I, I consider all that rubbish to know King Jesus, to be in this personal intimate relationship with Him. And the only way to find that is to be with Him, is to find the joy in knowing and being with Him. Everything else, if you, everything else will drive you in, at the end to despair or depression. If you're looking for joy anywhere else, it's going to leave you empty. It's only when you come to Jesus day after day and find the peace and joy that are at, only at His feet when you're in His presence. It's waking up in the morning and hearing from Christ, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to know you. And so you spend the rest of your day living and moving as if you're on this journey to know Christ. That you invite him into your, your class, you invite him into your workspace, into your family, that you live with him. That you have this recognition that Jesus is here and I'm living with for him if i could just be with him i could leave everything else behind i would find peace and contentment and joy in knowing jesus but you actually can't know with your heart what you don't know with your mind so there is a there is a basic element of like boy we need to know about jesus so that we can know him so then for paul this preaching the message of the cross And knowing Jesus, to come back to that over and over again, he's like, it's a great reminder for us all. And and it's no problem for me that every time I I get to journey in this knowing Jesus that he can truly satisfy, That's only in knowing him. Uh, Imagine the thief on the cross, the one next to Jesus who is rightly dying for his rebellion and sin and wickedness. And something changes in him, and he sees Jesus for who he really is. And Jesus on that cross, he tells him, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, we often get hung up on the paradise. Well, won't that be wonderful? But I, I believe that thief on the cross, when he entered into glory, I, I, I don't think he cared at all about paradise, Where's that man that said I could come? Where is he? The one that forgave me, set me free. I, had no, I gave him nothing. I have nothing to offer him. He, he was in no Bible studies. He had no doctrinal statements whatsoever. He came to Christ and said, I got nothing. You're the only answer. And he says, you're going to be with me. So as he gets into paradise, I can only imagine him going, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. Where is he? I want to be with him. Nothing else will satisfy me until I'm with Jesus, until I'm in his presence. I can hug him and kiss him and thank him and worship him. And I'm pretty sure that's how Paul felt as well. As he's sitting in jail, he's got, like, I don't even know if he's anyone around him. He, he's lost everything. Everything. He's got no titles, no comfort. He has no possession. I mean, he has nothing. And he says, I don't care. I just want to be sitting here with Jesus. And if I sit here and I can share in the fellowship of his suffering and I'm with Jesus, that's all that matters. To know him. There's nothing else that will satisfy like knowing Jesus. So I don't know where you're at this morning. If you... If you've heard about Jesus and you're like, yeah, I don't really know him. I mean, my invitation to you this morning is there's people all around here that would love to enter into the presence of the Lord with you so that you could know him. I know there's there's some of us who kind of get distracted in knowing about Jesus, and we put it down as if that would satisfy, and that won't satisfy. It's only in and knowing him in this personal way. So how do you do that? That's, that's the question. Uh, I, think, I think it's similar in a way that I know Amy. That I covenant my life with her. That I spend time with her. That I walk with her and I talk with her. She, she's part of my life every day. And if she wasn't, I would be longing for that. Do we do that with Jesus? Do we read his word and set it down like it's a letter, thanks a lot, now I feel better and I have a tool or two to go about my day? Or do we go, that draws me to the heart of Jesus and I, I just want to be with him. And I think if we would do that, we would be a people of great joy, no matter what the circumstances or the situations in your life. Even when we're crying and grieving, that we would have this deep joy because we would know Christ in the quiet moments on that journey, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have Mike come uh, and lead us in communion. Uh, And I'm just going to invite you, even during that communion time, to have your heart drawn towards Jesus. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. He wants to forgive you of the sins and the burdens and the regret and the shame that you've been carrying. So Mike will invite us to the table. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for uh, Paul's heart and clarity as he writes this letter to the Philippian believers. And and Lord, in our busy lives, uh, it is so easy to settle. It is so easy to get distracted. And so would you you help us be on guard? Would you help us to, to have our awareness up for when we're settling when we're stopping when there's a hotel that's really comfortable and and nice or or when things get too difficult and we just want to stop would you help all of us uh, with this desire to know you more to have this personal intimate relationship with you would we find that through your word would we find that through quiet moments of prayer would we find that through our hearts responding in worship Lord, would we find that through bringing our tears and our grief to you? Lord, would everything that uh, we learn about you and of you drive us to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.